Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and all in between. Jason, my brother, how are you? Good, man. How you doing? Good. How was your week? That was good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah nothing eventful, but uh, yeah. yeah, that shithead from work uh, blew up like the next day, like a little baby. It's like you know. Dude, oh, that's still I'm going on. Before I don't got time for you know what I mean. Right. Yeah. It's like if you're gonna live there, have fun. I'll be on vacation elsewhere. Right then. So we have a. <clears throat> We have a really cool episode. We have uh, Fred Bonanno joining us. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring Fred on here. And uh, Jason made contact with Mr. Dallas Toller Wade from originally from Nile and then from uh, Narcotic Wasteland. And he's going to be our guest tonight. And uh, he's going to talk about I'm fascinated with speed mill because I'm, you know, I'm an old school metalhead guy. And then things went away from me. You know what I mean? Like uh, right. there's certain, you know, and then when we were, you know, when we were first starting out, it was metal. Yeah. And there was thrash. Yeah. The, then, the genre things. Yeah. And then they went. Dung, 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 dung. So now there's just as many genre, subgenres within heavy metal. Right. That, you know, there used to be, you know, in all of music. Yeah. Fred, how you doing, buddy? What's up, Fred? I'm great. I'm awesome. How are you guys tonight? Good. All right, hanging in there. How was your trip happy, to Italy? Happy Saturday. Italy was fantastic. We had a phenomenal time, 10 days, hanging with uh, Jeff Tate and his backstage pass crew. And yeah. uh, just a great time. And uh, Italy's beautiful. Had a little incident on the way home. What was that? Because uh, I, I had bought a uh, – I should have had it with me, but I had bought a – about yay big. It's a, it's a gun, but it's – just for display purposes only, and it's made out of wood. Right. And didn't think much of it, so I had it packed in my suitcase. Oh, boy. And about 40 minutes before we take off, we hear our name over the loudspeaker. And I get up there, and I go, Mr. Banana, we have a problem. And I go, oh, it's probably this toy gun I got packed. And all of a sudden, this security guard comes up, and he was serious-looking, mean as hell. And he goes, come with me. And I go, oh, shit. I'm thinking, you know um, – uh, I'm thinking they're going to bring me in a back room and beat the crap out of me. And like, right. uh, like, so they, they bring me down into his car and, and he takes me away into the bowels of the airport and the police come and I'm sweating bullets. I kept sure. saying, I got to make my flight. Am I going to make my flight? And my poor wife's waiting back at the gate and they went through the gun and they did all the search, make sure there was no uh, residue on it and stuff. And right. the guy never broke. He, he kept that straight face looking at me and they're talking in Italian. I'm like, oh shit, this is going to be another Midnight Expression. <laughs> yeah, <they're> like, <laughs> I'm never going to be heard from again. Yeah. Hi, John, and, Chicago. It's okay. Yeah, and they, they got <laughs> us back to the gate of maybe 10 minutes before we took off and I'm sweating bullets. Going, wow. Holy shit. No, I, I ain't doing that again. Yeah, I'd seen uh, I you doing that again. Uh, I saw you posted a couple of clips there of uh, Jeff singing, uh, Jeff and band singing Silent Lucidity out on the patio. Nice. Yes. That's pretty yeah, cool. We're, we're sitting out, just beautiful. We stayed in a villa with the band. And uh, every night they'd break out the guitars. And the one day we went out by the pool. They got this beautiful yeah. in-ground pool. And they, we brought the wine out there. And he just started singing Silent Lucidity. So I said, I got to post that. I and mean, yeah. that's so cool. Jeff Tate. Casually singing Silent Lucidity. It was it was awesome. It was a great right. trip. So so Fred, you also write for Metal Temple. And yes, here's sir. a here's a quote from Dallas and says, Our lyrics are mostly about things we observe in day-to-day life. 
human behavior is a wellspring of all things bad quite often. There are lots of wastelands out there. So let's go and bring on Dallas. Dallas, brother, how are you? I'm well. How are you guys? Nice, man. We're doing Good, well. Dallas. Okay, so when you when you talk about a lot of wastelands out there, um, like I read in your bio, you know, about um, – um, you know, everyone's got their own battle, but also like, um, you've been around a lot of, you know, like where Jason lives as well. There's a lot of drug culture, you know, us being metalheads, there's drug culture anyway, you know, there of some kind, a lot of people are straight edge now. And, you know, so how, how do you, uh, narca- narcotic wasteland, is that a, something from, uh, something coming from the inside or, or keeping it out? It's definitely um, an observation, you know, of the things going on around us and uh, the, the being in my friends and uh, some of the original members, the, the town that we grew up in, you know, there was a lot of that that we were exposed to growing up and, um, you know, just hard street drug use, um, bad, violent crimes stuff like that and uh you know and then once you start traveling the world you realize there are play every there's a place like that just about in every everywhere right but um it was definitely a, a source of inspiration even early on in really early bands we were you know writing stuff about that and um it just kind of came around the, the first song that we wrote for it was for this particular it was just a project at the time because i was you know still full force with nile the song was called Widespread Narcotic Wasteland, and uh, it just kind of grew from there, and we kept writing songs about it. But, you know, and it was something, like I said, it was something that we had we were writing back about in the early 90s. And, you know, we were, my group of friends, we were pretty lucky because, you know, nobody really got into anything heavier than, like, weed or drinking or, right. you know, maybe a little bit of hallucinogens or something, which... You know, it wasn't the greatest thing for you to get into, but 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 in the eighties, really got into you know any of the really hard stuff, the crack, the coke, the meth. um, Because like when we were growing up, I think I think we're about close to the same age. There was that rule: no pills, no needles, and it just wasn't even questioned. It was never a a thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. You didn't even think about it. And then like the next gen, you know, the people after us had to be different. So, was, you know, or maybe it was always there and we just didn't succumb to it. I don't know. We were all lucky because in a way, I, I just really feel that. Uh, hopefully. Frozen. will unfreeze. So we'll wait for him to. Uh, yeah, we'll get him, unfreeze. get him back. But. um Fred, did uh, were you? Did you grow up with uh, any of your buddies growing up? Have any uh, issues? You know, no, not really, because I was heavily involved in sports my whole life growing up, so I never did. And my brother, it's my coming brother back. Did. Oh, there he is. Oh, there you are. There you are. Yeah, no, I was just saying that you know, music kept us out of all that stuff, and it kept right. us occupied with something a little bit more healthy and. We were all lucky. You know, we were a little bit smarter, a little bit more lucky, and just right. we just wanted to play metal, man, and maybe right. uh, maybe have a couple beers or something, but, you know, we just kind of kept it simple. 
Yeah. Yeah. And like heavy, what was cool about heavy metal back that, you know, maybe still true today, you know, if it's music really, but all the misfits gathered together and they became metalheads because of their friends or whatever, or just hanging out in that record store. And then there was this brotherhood all of a sudden. And a lot of people, you know, we were latchkey kids. So a lot of people, um, you know, had nowhere to go and were they hung out with their metalhead buddies, you know, and that's, yeah, yeah it just, it was a sense of community. Right. I mean, that was, you yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, for sure. But, uh, yeah. Having some, uh, connectivity. Yeah. The, uh, but, uh, let me see, let me get them back. But, uh, yeah, Jason, did you lose any, uh, did you lose anybody? Uh, yeah, I have, uh, I had a really close friend, uh, had a heroin problem and then committed suicide, of course, but, uh, mm -hmm. uh, that was the worst one. Um, he's going to call in. Well, we have, uh, I, I, by the time I was, uh, by the time I was 22, I lost 22 friends from drug and alcohol and a couple mm. from like murder yeah, type of thing, yeah. but, uh. Oh, that's a huge number at that age. Okay. Wow. Yeah, it's really yeah. I'm sorry about that, guys. Oh, no worries, man. It happens, man. No <laughs> worries. We're we're older gentlemen, you know, hanging out talking on a Saturday night. It's all yeah. good. That's cool. Yeah, so I was just saying um by the time I was 22, I'd lost 22 friends from drugs, alcohol or murder or whatever. Just like whatever it was, the metal scene, a lot of people went there to be safe from very crazy situations oh absolutely man that was um it was kind of our safe spot you know our respite away from yeah. the madness going on around us you know was was right. heavy metal yeah <laughs> yeah sure. and that you know and then they're like oh it's satan's music you know and the pmrc and the whole nine and you know we had this place called the barn and every weekend there'd be between 200 and 250 of us hanging out and the cops all knew where we were so they kind of left us alone but you know like to this day we still have reunions 40 some years later 40 years later that's yeah. cool yeah, that's very cool you know yeah. just because you guys found music together and whatever that was you know right. and now as an older mu musician you've been around since what 96 with your first band nile is that how long you were um actually I was in bands before that. Uh, I had a band called Ducalion before then, and we did. We were actually talking about. It's funny. We actually talked about Greek mythology. Um, <laughs> nice. And then and um, so cool too is all metalheads are so smart. Like once you like you'd read their <laughs> lyrics, you'd learn more. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and then um, I was in a band with uh, my good longtime friend Ed Roan, who has who is the original uh, lead guitar player for narcotic wasteland and uh when i was in teratosis he was actually writing songs about you know drug use and they actually got mentioned in the fayetteville observer that's where we're from fayetteville north carolina okay um they were writing they were they were writing some songs about uh drug use and stuff like that and you know my old band had written a couple of things like that and it was just kind of a, a theme that's been growing since i'd say 91 or 92 you know and yeah, you know, you got to think about it though. 
through the history of metal, uh, whether it be Metallica or Death, there's been songs written about it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, that line in that Death song about being born addicted to cocaine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Living Monstrosity, that's the name of that song. Yeah. Um, so between that and, you know, Master of Puppets, of course, you know, mm-hmm. it's been a recurring theme, even in 60s and 70s rock. Yeah. You know? True. And, uh, and, you know, it, yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's been a thing. And sometimes it's, uh, some people are celebrating it. And sometimes people are like, you know, something tragic happened or whatever. Music's mm-hmm. always been a way for us to kind of get all that off our chest. True. Oh, for sure. And how do you see your writing changing as you've uh, matured as an artist? Um, it's kind of going full circle for me. I, I find myself um, kind of getting more back into the style that I was writing in the early 90s, which was probably, it's probably viewed now as people would call it like old school death metal. But for me, it's just thrash punk rock ish whatever you know what i mean like i don't really get a whole lot into the genre thing the sub genre thing i think i heard you guys talking about that earlier yeah i mean and i get it it's a way for people to kind of describe what you do but i don't know i'm just maybe i'm just too old for all that (laughs) like you know like oh there's this there's that i'm like what yeah. So like when you started out, I mean, did you start out, you know, for me, like in the old days, you know, we were playing like, you know, get in the basement and play like priest and, and maiden and, and traditional, you know, I guess you call it talking about genres, right? Traditional metal or whatever. Did you start out in bands like that? Or were you like right from the get go? Were you into the more extreme stuff? Uh, my first band played, you know, we didn't really do a lot of, uh, I loved Maiden and Priest and all that stuff, of course, growing up. Mm-hmm. But I think the first band that I started getting get playing in uh, out of high school, we were doing like Metal Church, Metallica, um, Slayer, Sepultura, mm-hmm. um, and Flotsam and Jetsam, and nice. you know that that kind of thing. Yeah, um, a little bit of DRI stuff like mm-hmm. that, and that's that's kind of like where we where we all got started anyways and it just later on kind of uh and actually um my my high school band i uh we used to cover a song called battle angels by sanctuary oh i love that just to give you an idea of how i used to sing back in the day so you could you could put world dane stuff off. (laughs) yeah when i was 15 i could hit a high f sharp i can't do it anymore (laughs) i miss that guy i was you know Huge Nevermore fan, Sanctuary, right from the you know the get go. So, yeah, so yeah. oh yeah, he's one of my very favorite. Oh, mine too. So, yeah. how do you keep your voice in shape? Like, how do you not blow out your voice? Like, what, what is it? What type of exercises are you doing, or are you? I mean, I would assume that you would be. Oh, I think we lost awesome. him again. All right. I did. I did want to ask him that same question, and I did ask him that in my interview. Back, I can see it. It's, there he goes. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why that's happening, but it's the it's the Chinese spy balloon. <laughs> <laughs> it's it voodoo, man. Yeah, man. Exactly. But uh, yeah, no, it is the spy balloons, though. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's it. <laughs> So okay, I, I was a singer back in the day, and I'm really interested in how you keep your voice healthy. 
you know, like, uh, what do you do? Like, are you doing warm ups? Do you have a technique? What's the. You know, I probably should warm up and have some kind of technique, but I got my technique from screaming into a small combo amp in practice back in the day. And I had to scream <laughs> as loud crazy. as I could to be able to hear myself in practice. Okay. And uh, year and year and year after that, and then uh, you just kind of get the leather throat. I don't have the lovely singing voice anymore, but I, um, you know, it definitely helped me with just my power overall and my stamina. And uh, yeah, you know, we just did a one-off show. We did the Denver Death Fest uh, about a month or so ago. I was watching some live footage of it. And, yeah, oh yeah, about halfway through that show, my voice was getting kind of shot because, <laughs> you know, I didn't warm up or anything. I hadn't sang a note since the last time we, we were together. Yeah, and, right. uh, but you just push on through and. If we're in a situation where we're rehearsing, uh, I usually like to go ahead and try and blow my voice out that night, the, the first night. Then second night, just kind of sing a little bit, but mostly just concentrate on the guitar. And then usually by the third night, I'm I'm ready to go. Oh wow! Just go ahead and just go ahead and get that out of the way because it's going to happen, especially with uh, right. you know where it's not really singing. You're actually more just yelling at people, right? <laughs> Like I have this thing and everyone thought it's weird. Every time I get a new car, before I even drive it off the lot, I scratch it with my key. (laughs) Get that out of the way. You know what I mean? Because you get it out of the way. You know, whatever that, you know, it's going to happen. And then you're not upset about it when it does happen or if it does happen. Right. So like, I totally get that. So, so Dallas, getting back to the growl voice, obviously that's something you taught yourself to do, trained yourself to do? Yeah, I think what happened with me is, you know, of course we all started listening to heavier stuff, but uh, the guitar playing started to get a little bit more complicated, and uh, the stuff I was writing, the guitar seemed like it was carrying the melody of the music a little bit more. And... Uh, it was just kind of like, you know, fuck it, you know, just, it just, you know, it just kind of fit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, and, and the, my bandmates and stuff were just like, man, that sounds really wicked. You know, does that hurt? And I'm like, <laughs> right. No, not really. Not, I mean, yes, but not, not enough for me to care. It sounds too cool. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. I'm at, you know, cause I, I also do voices. So I don't, a Yosemite Sam and that, totally fries me out so like it so i'm like in like in awe that someone can maintain that for you know any given amount of time that you know because there is something obviously that you are doing you know what i mean to get there yeah and that's basically just uh pushing from the diaphragm and pushing so much air through your throat that you're literally distorting your vocal cords. Okay. Uh, so it's all power. And that's the only way I can really describe it, but I know what you mean, man. If I do my, um, if I do my sling blade impression, that kind of makes my throat hurt. <laughs> Ain't got no gas in it. You know, I like mustard with my taters. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of, <clears throat> you know, right. Yeah. My wife works with this, uh, this girl. Home. She's, the chest than the actual throat. It's just pushing past your throat. Yeah. 
I mean, and I do use the throat a little bit to regulate it and kind of change the tone of it, kind of the way you would if you were singing, you know, actual notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that kind of helps with the sustain of it all. But yeah, you just you push you push from the the gut. You know, after the first week on tour or something, or the first couple of nights of rehearsal, you'll you'll feel it in your abs. You know, you'll feel it in your stomach muscles. Right. And uh, and then that's always a good feeling, especially you know getting on up there and it's always a challenge to keep that from, you know, looking like a pear. So it actually helps. <laughs> right. Yeah. So speaking of touring, I was wondering, you know, obviously uh, back during COVID, like everything was, you know, other parts of the country, probably more so than ours, everything was shut down. Now that you guys are getting back out there is uh, number one, I imagine the expense of it is ridiculous now, right? It's probably getting a little stupid. And the yeah. second question is, uh, are you seeing a difference in the availability of venues compared to years ago? Places to play? Um, yes and no. I mean, we've had some we've had some really awesome venues uh, leave us, especially during the whole COVID thing. Right. But there were some that definitely stuck it out. However, it was where they had a microbrew or. I think we lost him again. That's all right. I'll be Let's back. blame this one on Taylor Swift. Let's blame it on Taylor Swift. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Okay. You know, outdoor concerts was kind of like saving some of the venues. And yeah. um, let's see. Hopefully, there's probably a storm somewhere, you know. Yeah. It was supposed to storm here, but it went south. Yeah, I've had issues until I hardwired, you know, yeah. remember what mine was. Uh-huh. But, yeah, with the with the uh, different venues and everything, you know, it, it uh, the venues pretty much have to ask you these days. Yeah. You know. Well, you, you know, know. I, I got thinking about that because, you know, I mean, like, especially in other states where they were, like, just, you know, they were forced to shut down. I mean. You got right. oh, here we go. Right? We're back. <laughs> So outdoor, so outdoor venues. Yeah, outdoor venues and, uh, you know, maybe some of the places had a microbrew or something like that. They were serving food or something like that. And that's what kind of helped them stay afloat during the, the Twilight Zone episode we were living. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of uh, playing Dallas, I see you got two huge fests coming up here in August. Um, that you'll be busting eardrums at Loud as Hell Open Air Fest in Canada, and then you got the Menominee Death Metal Fest in Menominee, Wisconsin. Do you prefer playing at a fest like that where there's 20 bands and maybe not everybody there knows your band and maybe never heard of you, or would you rather play at a venue where you're headlining and everybody there is there to see you? Uh, I, I think I like a good balance of both. I think you need both. You know what I mean? Like we've we've gone out and done some fairly decent uh, headlining runs. And then, you know, we were we were uh, lucky to open for Accept. We were lucky to open for, you know, Malevolent Creation. Uh, we've had a couple of lucky things that we've got to do that, you know, kind of helps expose the band to an audience that maybe haven't heard us before. But, yeah, it's, I think it's a balance of both. And uh, one of the things that I'm kind of enjoying is the fact that, 
this particular band is able to experience some of these American fests. Um, you know, my previous band, Nile, you don't really see Nile on a lot of American fests. You'll see them in Europe, but not really over here. And um, I, I, I'm glad to see the Milwaukee Metal Fest went so well. We actually played in Nile. We played Milwaukee Metal Fest. I believe it was 99 or 2000. Yeah. Uh, it's just great to see uh, a legendary festival come back, come back and, you know, was, uh, maybe we'll be on there next year or something, you know? Yeah, that was Jamie Josta that uh, really helped to bring that back, I, I believe, right? From Hatebreed? Oh, he lost him again. Dude, Wisconsin and Chicago have some of the best crowds ever for a rock audience, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, there's definitely. And you guys got some great venues up that way, too. Yeah. You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yep. But, uh, you know. Yeah, you know, he, he mentioned uh, Milwaukee Metal Fest. You know, I heard it went really well. Um, I think it was this past weekend, right? Um, and uh, um, it was super recent. It was yeah, the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I listened to Jamie Josta's podcast. I believe he was uh, promoting that, or you know, he was somehow had something to do with uh, with bringing that back. Um, yeah, which is cool. And there was, uh, you know, Dallas mentioned Metal Church uh, earlier. And, I hope uh, Dallas isn't getting too uh, frustrated with this. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is aggravating. Um, but I, I also heard an interview with Kurt from Metal Church the other day too. They're back together. A new singer, you know, some Mike uh, committed suicide, I guess, but a couple of years ago. Nice, but nice. Good, good to see them back. You know, still, still doing things. So. Right on, right on, right on. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, that is cool. I, I would like to see more. We have uh, down here Carolina Rebellion uh, last couple of years, and that's been a cool thing. Yeah, um, usually it's in Charlotte. I, I went, I went probably five six years ago. Um, good time. It was real hot though. You know, you know, you're getting old when you're missing like uh, AC and a <laughs> comfy seat, right? You know, like God, what have I become? You know, <clears throat> yeah. So. But. Uh... You know, um, yeah, so when we are talking before the show started, I asked, you know, how many beats per minute, Yeah, you know, does he write in and stuff? So we were talking, and he said, like, you know, 204 was kind of like the fastest or, you yeah. know, kind of right in there. And nor- the normal metal beats per minute is 134. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yes. <laughs> and, but, dude, it's like I was amazed. I'm like, you know. That that's uh, real precision, like you know. Oh yeah, I can't move my hand that fast. Well, you know, even even speaking of guitar playing, I mean, like his right hand. I'm like, I watch him play, and I go, God, I can't do that stuff. Just, yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, maybe for a minute, but you know, I mean, to to do that for a whole, you know, set or two. I mean, you know, wow. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you know, and it is, you know. Like, you know, when I was talking about the beats per minute and just like I was blown away from the drummer, like you have to know, you have to be really good. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to know your shit and have the stamina to, yeah. in order to do that. Yep. Night but after night. You mess up. I mean, you're going that fast. You can't miss. Oh, like, yeah. If you miss, like, you know, yep. it's a whole new thing. And it's like, it's so like fast, like doing the, like the double bass, the kick drums. Oh yeah, that always amazes me, man. It's like yeah, yeah. and I, I like to you, watch. Oh, go ahead. How do you write? How do you write that? How do you write that? Yeah, 
Well, and sorry about that, guys. <laughs> oh, no worries. My laptop, like, totally just says there's no internet. It's like, yeah. Yeah, there, I think there. I, I think there's actually like a storm in like uh, uh, mid mid Illinois underneath us. It just missed us. Okay, so that would make sense of some. You know, who knows? Yeah. The anyways, uh, I'm back. <laughs> cool. But uh, yeah, so we were talking about beats per minute, and you know how uh, normal, quote unquote, normal metal is 134, and you're old at about 204. And Fred just said, "How do you write that? Do, do you automatically just write?" Are you writing at speed or are you writing like are you dicking around on an acoustic guitar sometimes and then you go pick up the electric and speed it up or how do you come up with ideas like that? Sometimes I'll hear something in my head that's fast and I'll have to kind of work on it to get it up to that speed. Okay. But typically when I hear yeah, typically when I hear it it's already at uh whatever speed that I'm thinking in. Um it's just kind of there. I've got a piece, uh, a melody that I've been working on for a, a new song, actually, that's going to be on like the next album. Not the one that's about to come out this year, but the next album. And uh, it's kind of got like, it's it's kind of a cruiser blast beat kind of thing, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I just hear it in my head, you know what I mean? And and then I'll demo it out with uh, in my little studio and... Uh, and then, you know, and then we'll work on it and, you know, the guys will put their spin on it or whatever. And, you know, we kind of converse back and forth from the original demo idea. Yeah. Uh, you know, speaking, Dale, speaking of, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go Fred, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, you first. I was just going to say, speaking of uh, writing, um, and I want to get into some of your lyrics a little, a little bit later, but um, walk me through writing your songs, Dallas. Do you write the lyrics and then come up back with the, with the, with the music or these, is it a combination or do you write the music and then go, I'll make lyrics work into this. It goes both ways. Sometimes I'll have a lyrical idea or a, a, a chorus idea kind of, and uh, work from there. Or sometimes I'll have musical ideas that'll give me a certain feeling and I'll, I'll, um, and then I'll work on it from that angle. So it really depends, man. Um, it, there is a, it's all of the above has happened in, uh, in, in this band. Um, there was a song that I wrote in a night called Coastal Killings. Yeah. And it's about um, Donald Henry Gaskins, Pee Wee Gaskins. He's like really? a famous South Carolina serial killer. Yep. And uh, I literally wrote that song in a night. I read the book that day and, uh, very difficult book to get through, especially about halfway. I don't know if you believe in the death penalty or not, but about halfway through that book, he'll make you want to. <laughs> he is a hateful son of a bitch, man. And uh, so I was, um, you know, uh, once I was just so blown away by it, and then I uh, went out into the studio and just started jamming around. And about two o'clock in the morning, I'd written finished Coastal Killings. Nice. Cool. Just out of nowhere. That's, right. It's cool because I, I mess around with writing songs. I can't. It, it, you told me write a song. I couldn't sit down and write it. I have to piecemeal it together. Can you sit down? If I told you, Dallas, write me a song. Can you sit down and write a song? Or do you have to? Does it have to come to you? Maybe over the course of a few days, it'll get put together. 
uh, again, you know, sometimes it'll just flow out really quickly. And then sometimes it, it takes a year to write a song, you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, the varying results. I mean, either, either one of them has made some really awesome stuff. Um, the cool thing about the one that takes a while to write is that uh, you take your time and think about it and uh, you can really dial everything in the way you want it. And then the beauty of not doing that right. is that you can just be in the zone and come up with something in a single night and uh, it's both awesome. So, you know, for very opposite reasons. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the right. spontaneity yeah. of one versus the, yeah. you know, rigid compositional attack of the other one, you know? Yeah. Like you could be working on something for not nine months and you're coming back from the grocery store, you walk in the jam room and you get it and you're like, ah, and that's the, the two seconds you were looking for. And you're, you know, and it, because yeah. you're carrying groceries. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> you just start singing it. Yeah, or whatever, or you pick up the guitar and just be like, "Oh man, this go perfectly right here." You yeah, know? that's the um, part of it. You know, the alchemy. Yeah, that that is the magic. You know, where especially if you're, what'll happen with me is I'll start working on something. I'll get a couple of ideas, and then once you record a couple of those ideas, whether it be just on your phone or in your, uh, you know, in your home studio setup. And then after a while, you just start getting more ideas as you're working on it. And yeah. that's that's pretty cool because then you get that sort of stream that, of consciousness. And then uh, and then you, as long as it's so easy to just capture it, you know, right. I, 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 it's funny to watch, you know, uh, Metallica talk about it because they always say riff tapes. And I still call them riff tapes. But a lot of times I'll just yeah. record video of me on the, on the little phone guy here and mm-hmm. uh and then I'll go through and be like, oh, wow, I don't even remember that. Right. And uh, and then I'll find all the stuff that I like, and then I'll go actually track it, track it in my in my studio. Yeah. And work on it from there. Now, speaking of speaking of your studio, um, I mean, the production on, the, on your stuff is great. Are you guys recording these records, like, yourself, or is there a local studio you're going to, or what's the uh, the process with the actual recording? Um, since, uh, well, actually since the beginning, I've been doing all the guitar, bass and vocals, uh, with my studio. Okay. And then, uh, for this particular, uh, for the first record in this particular record, we're working with Eric Scholtek, who's, um, you know, uh, performing the drums, but he also has a really nice studio set up called level three studios. So if you ever, uh, you know, hit him up, man, hit him. Yeah. Check out level3studios.com. He's a he's a great engineer. He's just been getting better and better. And the first album he actually did, I believe, was the debut album. Oh, and uh, and it, yeah, man, it, it came out really great. And you know the the three singles that we put out so far this year, you know, uh, he and I, he and well, he mixed and engineered, and he and I, you know, just kind of went back and forth. You know, bring this up a little bit, or maybe tweak yeah. this a little bit. And it's great working with him. Um, We'll uh, we'll just we we always he'll hit me up and we're um, on the messenger and be like, oh, you want to do some Skype and beers tonight? <laughs> you know? And uh, we'll end up getting completely sloshed. Yeah. I gotta go to bed, man. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> you know? But yeah, so did and, like, um, like that's a good way like- to kind of powwow and brainstorm like what's yeah. going on and kind of get like a list in our minds of how we want to proceed and what needs to be done. 
Yeah, yeah. victim to the algorithm, man. That was killer. It was good. Thank you. Good stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was listening to a, uh, a story that Mr. Bachman from the Guess Who and Bachman Turner Overdrive was saying, was uh, telling, okay? And it's the stream of conscious that you're talking about, Dallas, is they're playing this gig, right, in Oregon, 1970. His string breaks. He doesn't have a tech. There's no table. Like, he's got to do this on his knee on stage. And the singer goes out back because he knows he has like three minutes and there's this dude who sells all these like bootleg dylan and like all these other bands you could buy like out of people's trunks at the time so he's like out there getting music and he's tuning his guitar up right and he goes and the crowd freaks out oh american woman goes and the singer runs back he goes my band's going on Never did they play this song, Stream of Conscious. Oh, wrote it live? That was the song. Wow. Yeah, when does that Amazing. happen, right? Yeah. <laughs> cool story. I didn't know that. Yeah. Totally. And, of course, he, he gets blocked out. Darn it. But, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, technical uh, things. Do uh, you things. can't do anything about it, man. You know? yeah. No, I just, you know, hope he's yeah. not bummed well, he's probably not pleased but you know what can you do <laughs> we yeah. mean well yeah we try we all try but yeah i thought that was really cool just out of the you know mm-hmm. like yeah. bolts from the parking lot an american woman right so then they had to record it could they remember it no <laughs> right so there's this guy who like boot would bootleg? Oh, he saved the day. Bootleg, and he had a, like the new cassette thing with boombox thing technology, nice. you know. And nice. they tracked him down, and that's how they got the lyrics, awesome. got the lyrics and everything, and made the record. Dude, you know what happens to me that's sometimes, crazy. And, and it aggravates me. Have you ever like been asleep dreaming and written a song in the dream like it's complete, and you wake up and you can't remember? <laughs> I like had to happen. Piece of like paper and a pencil next to the bed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, I wake. Yeah. Uh, I wake up there. and it's gone. Like, you know, but I, I know it was there. I know it was complete. You know, like melody yeah. versus chorus. And I'm like, oh. oh, I write it all down, dude. It makes me want to go to a hip hop or something. You know, I'm I like, do too. Yeah, I do yeah, the yeah. same thing, Vince. I, an idea will come to me. Somebody will say something. You'll be in a car and somebody will say, hey, oh. dumbass, pick a lane. And I'll go, pick a lane. And I'll write down, pick a lane. I go, that's a song. Just yeah. got to figure out how I'm going to work that into a song. Yeah. I, I got the title. I got a shitload of working titles. Right. But no lyrics yet. I hear you, man. Totally. Yeah, but, you know, that's oh, you know, like we were talking. Forget, before I forget, hold on. Ralph! Ralph. We didn't forget you this time, Ralph. He's coming. Hold He's on. coming back. He's coming. There and we're back. I had to completely restart my damn laptop, but okay. Man, sorry. Oh, man, sorry you about that. It's something on my end. Sorry about that, guys. Oh, no worries, man. No worries. It's all part of the part of the deal. So yeah, so um, yeah, total stream of consciousness. American woman was written in three minutes because awesome. he broke a string. 
That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, when Perfect. it comes out of out of space, right? You know? Right. Cool. Yeah. So, um, writing about uh, mass murder. Oh, it's coming back. Okay. Oh. There we go. All right. Uh, writing about mass murderers. I got one for you. My All dad, right. My dad is a magician and a clown. Okay. And my dad was blacklisted from Vegas. This is like in the '60s, and you know, in the '70s and '80s, he was a magician. And uh, so all the local clowns knew each other. My dad was also in construction, so you know who was at my motherfucking house? Mr. John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, John Wayne Gacy. You gotta tell Daniel who that. Oh is, wow! Yeah, he lived like three miles from us. So he like construction buddy. Oh my god! Buddy. Yeah. Doody do. Hey, Mr. Gacy. <laughs> Come here, little Vince. Come here. Right? Oh, that's scary shit. Yeah, that's some scary shit. You never know, though. You know, that's what that's, well, that's, yeah, that's, that's terrifying. So you know, when we were talking once, Vince, you and I, about Charles Manson, and before he did all the murders. Yeah. They used to break into houses and rearrange the furniture just to right. see if they could do it without waking people up. Right. And you wonder how many people woke up and said, what the fuck happened to our right. house? Well, I would just go and in then, and like swap out salt and pepper shakers. Just Yeah. What? <laughs> I and never think about that. Two, two years later, the, the Manson stuff comes out and you're going, shit, they were in my house. Right. How freaky would that be? Yeah, you know, what is it about mass murderers that fascinated people? Is it because you would never assume it was them? Uh, For me, I think it for me personally, I think it's just, you know, human behavior in general has been kind of a fascination of mine. Uh, Me and the uh, me and the old lady, we've been rewatching Dexter lately. And, you know, the first time I watched it, I wasn't into true crime as much. Sure. And, you know, and then after about uh, about six or seven years of falling asleep to forensic files, um, <laughs> I'm just I, I'm really into it now, you know, and I read about cool. this stuff all the time. And I think it's just the fascination for me is the how old someone could be so detached to where they could be so cruel. And right. um, I think it's something that we all should should look at because you know especially nowadays with the, everybody being so connected like um not everybody is a serial killer but there is this sort of underlying level of sort of narcissism going on <laughs> in society oh, and for uh, sure. you know a lot of people spend a lot, most of their time trying to justify their shitty behavior instead of figuring out why they behave that way right yeah yeah and, may, and maybe in my my opinion is i mean we've all had that Time of our life, you go. I could kill that son of a bitch. No one, you'll never act on it. Then to know somebody out there actually does act on it, or will go into a school and just start blowing people away. I mean, you'd never in your right mind would think of doing that. So maybe that's what fascinates us. Well, you know, clicks in that person's head. Well, you said in their right mind wouldn't. Well, you know, I, I yeah. Yeah. When I'm driving truck all day, you know, I'm listening to podcasts and, you know, just whatever, just to pass the time. But I was listening to uh, Jordan Peterson on Joe Rogan and uh, something interesting he brought up, you know, concerning what we're talking about 
he was talking about how within society there's like you know personality archetypes, and um, you know people with you know that are prone to psychopathy have always been there, and it's been a small percentage, and that you know that basically society kind of keeps them in check, you know, because you have other men that are you know that can be violent, but they're they're typically you know they're basically good, but they're not a, they're not opposed to violence. Will keep the balance. Well, with this social media kind of age and everything where everybody sort of can hide behind this anonymity and, you know, being miles apart that it, it tends to, that we're seeing a rise in that type of behavior that we didn't have in past. And it, it makes sense. You know what I mean? That the, uh, yeah, the internet is sort of uh, bolstering, you know, psychopathic tendencies and people that you know, oh, in yeah. the past hasn't been there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, and as early as the uh, the old uh, AOL chat rooms, there was already predators and and yeah. and people. You know, there's a couple of forensic files episode on that actually, but yeah, they were. Yeah. It was already happening then. It was people were, uh, you know, uh, luring people in and then actually get them to meet up and then, mm-hmm. you know, uh, killed or kidnapped or murdered or raped or whatever. Whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it's all new territory. You know, it's going to have to, it's probably going to be a period that's, you know, uh, until it it sort of balances out again, you know, but people are learning how to, you know, sort of navigate this new shit, right? Yeah. And, you know, everybody, it doesn't matter who you are. You got to be careful. Definitely be careful with your information, but also, you know, who you are, where you are and all that, because not not everybody's a nice person. And right. Oh, that's yes, something sure. that we learned the hard way. Most of us, you know, we were really young and dumb. We we learned that one the hard way. <laughs> right. Welcome to the forensic files. <laughs> <laughs> I still want to learn that intro music one day. Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, you know, it's it, I don't know. It's just it's fascinating. The uh, you know, like like you're talking about the cruelty of the uh, man, you know, like just having nothing, nothing there. And then you see the uh, de desensification from like the yeah. internet and everyone just think that their opinion is fact. Opinions aren't fact. <laughs> right. No, law has nothing to do with emotion. Yeah, we're yeah. not your parents. You know what I mean. And uh, okay, you know, just, uh, it, the everyone's looking to be outraged over the slightest infraction, and it's like, dude, there's three worlds going on: people who never go on the internet, people who are on the internet and they watch one way of news or one way of a political belief. And I'm generalizing majorly. And then the other side of the political belief. And then you have the independents who aren't really involved in what's going on on the left and the right. Mm. And there's multiple realities being played out or believed in at the same time. It's very weird. Yeah. It's very weird to see because there's a structure to each of them. You know? Yeah. And it all turns out to be extremely divisive and. I, yeah. I really think it's uh, a lot of people definitely use it to uh, get us angry at each other because yeah. that's, uh, that gives them advertising revenue. 
the mm -hmm. record, keep people pissed off. You know, I always tell people, I'm like, hey, if the first paragraph, the first sentence or two pisses you off, yeah. not there to have any conversation. They're there to just inflame emotion. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I mean, it's exactly it. It's divide and divide, divide us and conquer us. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. like team think. Well, yeah. there's gray areas where in the past, you know, people are like, oh, okay, I'm not talking about any of that crap. But, you know, like generalization of ideas, you could have a gray area where, you know, two uh, political cults could agree on something for the betterment, hopefully. But I don't know. It's it's so I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's a wide divide, man. And yeah, I, it's I, George Carlin had a few things to say about it, you know, <laughs> oh, so that's something sure. along the lines of, hey, everybody, look over here while we jam this red, white and blue dick in your ass. <laughs> yeah, right, something exactly. like that. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah. And that's what I told both my boys is a George Carlin subterfuge skit. I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What so the, I mean, I love of, that. Oh, I love that man. Yeah. Rest in peace, George Carlin oh, for president. God. If he was still Carlin? alive, Absolutely. could you imagine? Yeah, dude, he'd be like, oh, yeah, his head he'd be, would be like in a dungeon around. somewhere. You know, if he was around now, his head would be spinning around. Man. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, you I know, mean, speaking of, of victims of the algorithm, I mean, when you wrote that, was it uh, what we're talking about? Was that kind of the uh, inspiration there? Yeah, that was actually the ongoing theme. And then um, I was talking to our drummer, Joe Howard, and uh, he so happened to have uh, a set of lyrics that fit exactly what the song was talking about. And uh, it did it in such a way that I hadn't previously thought of. I, and um, I instantly just fell in love with the lyrics. And then yeah. we just started putting it to the song and it just fit like a glove. And we were just like, oh, my God. And then, you know. Uh, what it talks about. And and again, it, it definitely talks about that sort of inherent narcissism and how mm -hmm. it divides everybody and how divisive it, it's it's become uh, politically and otherwise just to, you know, keep us confused, keep us scared, keep us angry at each other. Yep. And, um, but yeah, you know, here we are playing the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the fear tactics, yeah. you know, yeah. if, if people you know, wake up and, and do you know what the two, the top two things that are the worst for your immune system? Stress. Isolation and fear. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Go from there. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's just a weird, you know, everyone's like coming out of this. Like it, you can see people are like walking up like they're, they were like they're hung over. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? And it was funny, like that first summer after everything opened up, it was a little bit tighter maybe here than where you guys were at. I don't know. But, you know, everyone gained 60 pounds. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. You know yeah. I mean? Like, whoa. Like when the first summer came out, I was like, holy shit. You know? Well, I was down in South Carolina living in Greenville. And I, I'm, in my job, I was deemed essential. I was, you know, just basically like a warehouse forklift type guy. Me too. It's, it was decent money, decent company, but we uh, we were deemed essential, so I didn't get to take right. the take. But man, yeah. just the just the uh, the whole Twilight Zone episode of it, and how people were behaving, and yeah. it was it was getting kind of scary there for a minute. But yeah, yeah. mass hypnosis is mass, you know, uh, psychosis. 
a lot of PTSD left and right. Oh, um, yeah. Depression, a lot of, you know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm seeing it here, man. I was, like, you know, the, the shooting and the bullshit, you know, never used to happen here like it is now. I mean, there's like, you know, five, six a week, you know, which, I mean, you're in Chicago, you guys. I, I mean, that's, you probably laugh at that, but I mean, if you knew like Greenville area, it was, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely some some wasteland like areas in in Greenville. I mean, Greenville, there's a lot of nice places too. But yeah, there's got places there we need to watch your ass and sure. Uh, yeah. You can see it in the way people drive. I mean, I've always been a firm believer: if you drive like an asshole, then you're, you're probably, probably an asshole. asshole. <laughs> <laughs> if you have no regard for the people around you, the right, way you right. drive is going to show that to me immediately. Yep, yeah. and. That's I coming from a professional road rager, middle finger ex- yeah. distributor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I have a uh, theory for those people because I drive for a living too, like Jason. Yeah. And uh, uh, I have to put it in my mind this way or I'll get all incensed. You know, they got explosive diarrhea. And they're, <laughs> that, that, they're, they're, those motherfuckers are trying to get home, but they ain't going to make it. Oh, that's how you make it. <laughs> right. So that way I can laugh at it. Otherwise, yeah. I'd be like, what? You know, right. Really? Like, dude, we're in a rock in space floating. You know, just exactly. Relax. Everybody yeah. be cool to each other. I mean, it's not the big yeah. deal. You know? Yeah. You're not more significant than me. And, you know, yeah. I I really love the uh, the dickhead that just has to get around you in traffic. And then guess who's right beside me at the red light? Yeah. Yeah. I love when that happens. Yeah, they that. That. Or, or they flip you Stupid off. Stupid motherfucker. Yeah. They're, or they're flipping <laughs> you off when they're breaking the law, and you're like, what? Yeah. Or they okay. cut you off to make the right turn right in front of you. Like, you know, they like they could have waited eight seconds, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. So. If in, a, in another time and in, in another place, they would have experienced a different Dallas Toller Wade. <laughs> 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 but, you know, right. people, people have guns now, you know. They, they can't oh, yeah. duke it out. No dignity. Kind of like what morality and the wasp talks about. There's, yeah. It's all this passive aggressive bullshit. You yeah. know, everybody wants to pull a weapon and, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever happened to a good old game of slaps. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Right. Yeah. Best yeah. man wins. Talked about that just last week. Okay. And uh, here's the thing. Back in our day, <laughs> you with someone, you got in a fight. Yeah. And then you're getting drunk with each other and your best buddies. For, you know, they're one of your best friends for life. You rolled around, got dirty, so, got scraped up, and you know. Think, think about because of the weapon issue. Think about all the lost, the great lost friendships. Oh yeah, totally, man. And never got yeah. to to have you know, like there's all you know, there's where the genocide is. You know, right. Yeah, that's totally, cool. and you know, there's where that the, that's the scary part the that level of detachment. Right. Um, of, of being able to actually justify in your mind taking it to that level. It's one thing to, you know, I want to kick that guy's face, right. but to, uh, you know, to blow him in half with a shotgun, I mean, that's a little extreme, you know what I mean? Right. Like, Crazy. Yeah, over a traffic deal, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah, or uh, a loved, yeah. you know, uh, spouse or you know maybe some yeah. shit like that going on it's like hey you know yeah 
but it's it's the wild west <laughs> it's getting there isn't it man i'm telling you it pretty much we're pretty much have always been the wild west <laughs> yeah, yeah you know i just speaking of it i just finished a book about the hatfields and mccoys and holy shit dude like what we're talking about it's like man life was cheap back then it's like you know you you cross somebody like you, their whole family's trying to kill you <laughs> you know i mean like it really was you know drop of a dime you know so so maybe society we've gone like ebbed and flowed you know what i mean like we we were fucked up then we got it together a little bit and we're fucked up again maybe it's working like that i don't know you know yeah i mean statistically we're still more civilized than we were um, yeah. overall yeah but uh at least now we're able to sort of uh, look at the issues and, and address them to a certain degree. I think we still need some uh, work addressing some of the issues, but oh, yeah, overall, we're we are more civilized as a as a species than we were. But you know, we still got a lot of work to do. Like I always say, evolution is a extremely painfully slow process, <laughs> and um, and uh, I'm glad that we're able to sit here and talk about it and maybe get some people that watch this will their Think brains will kind of wake up a little bit and right, right. or maybe they're already thinking that way you know people that are into metal and shit you know we're, we're kind of like-minded we we think outside the box you know we don't we don't just listen to the television yeah and uh, it's okay yeah. to question whatever question everything yeah. make your form your own ideas form your own opinions right. find out about you know find find the facts right and, and you know, one thing you've always can have with the with the metalhead is a great conversation, because most are educated, self educated at that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because we realized really early on that the education system left us behind a long time ago. Right. Oh, no, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so we're kind of out to fend for ourselves, but you know, the good news is a lot of us did, and yeah, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah, and you're right, Dallas. There's so many resources out there to research and dig into this. So you don't have to. When they force feed you something, you don't have to. There's so many ways to fi find out the answers you need. You yeah. don't have to listen to what everybody's telling you. It's yeah, yeah, totally. Just figure it out for yourself. I mean, that's you know what you're talking about right there is how elections are won. Yeah. Well, I heard <laughs> I heard Danny at work. He's gonna. He's going to vote for blibbity blab and right, mm -hmm. you know, and I hear this other guy's a commie and all this other stuff or whatever, whatever the case may be. Right. You know, I, yeah. I, I find the, I think, I think my personal opinion on it is we, if, if we, the people want to win this war, we need to stop giving rich assholes our money. And we need to all collectively just remove our shit from the banks. Stop shopping Amazon, stop shopping Walmart. All these guys stop using their stuff, and then they're powerless, right. and then we have our country back. Right. But that's just my opinion. You know what I mean? I could be completely wrong about that, and that's okay. No, we've it's seen that here lately. Putting it out there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, know. I mean, the, I hear you there. yeah. There's been a few, but you know, I don't want to get into why, but the, you know, yeah. the, but there's been a few really successful boycotts, like none, like none happened before. Powers in the dollar. On both, you know both what I mean, ranges, and so. it's not necessarily what the issues wrapped around. It's that they wrapped it around the last vestige of the American male, which is his beer can. And it sounds, oh, right, yeah, but that was the one place where he could go. And I'm talking about Joe Sixpack. Yeah. 
And that's what I explained to people. It's like, it's not a transit. It could have been whatever. Yeah, whatever the issue. You you made everything else in the world political, but I still had my beer. And that sounds stupid, but to a lot of people, that's important. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and and you know, this this consumer society we've been in for like, you know, our whole lives, basically. When you wake up and you realize that they need you more than you need them. Oh, yeah. Dude, I got a. I've been a huge. I have a a huge sports guy my whole life that my grandfather built in 1920. And the bookcase I bought five years ago, I got to fucking throw away. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I've I've been a huge sports guy my whole life. And sports was always, to me, a release from the world. Yeah. Put the game on, you go to a game, you forget about reality for a while because you're watching sports, and they've politicalized that now to the point where you, you don't even want to watch sports anymore because that right. was my release from all this other bullshit. Yeah. And now they're doing that shit, you know, the kneeling for the flag and the other stuff. What's right, the and that's so the whole thing. Like, you know, everyone's like, "Hey, man, quit suffocating us with all." You know what I mean? Like, take a breath. Fuck. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, they're they're force feeding us. They're force feeding us, and, you know. and enough's enough. At some point, you're right. The beer, it's a simple okay. It's beer, but at some point, right. though, you can't keep forcing the shit at us. Right. And and what you're saying, Dallas, you know, hit them where it hurts. Pocketbook, Amazon, Walmart. Right. What I'm shit. but what I'm saying is like we've heard about all these boycotts that have happened before, and they haven't done anything. Right. And then these two boycotts come on, and they're like, you know, historical in a business sense. Like, change this will change the, you know, the what do you call it? The reverberation of that two companies doing that. I mean, the lesson just needs to be strength in numbers, you know? I mean, like minded people. Well, here's the thing like, don't quit politicizing everything. I think that's all that pretty much right now everyone's asking. Yeah. It's been a rough six years. <laughs> I can say that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I'll tell I think you, basically the, people the commander in chief just keeps getting stupider and fucking stupider, in my opinion. You know, it's oh, yeah. like it's just it's kind of a shit show there, and it's it's hard for me to take any of it seriously. But right. this is what a, I think. This is what a lot of people need to realize. Whatever whatever agenda you're trying to push, good or bad. It's their right to do it if they want to, and sure. it's and it's the other person's right to protest it. Right. That's it. Yeah. That is supposed to be the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, and you can just leave it there. Right. You hey, know, and, and you want, right everybody on. can can get out and express their feelings on things and mm-hmm. and all that, and it it not turn into this uh, complete war of bigotry. You know what I mean? (laughs) Everybody's entitled to their opinions and their beliefs. And And I don't have to believe it. I don't have to understand it. It ain't my damn business. And they don't. I don't expect everybody in the world to believe what what I think. You know? Yeah. It's like that's supposed to be the beauty of it. You know? They don't want people to have discussions, and that's when you have to have discussion. Yeah. And we started a race in history when they don't want you to. That's where you learn. You learn yeah. from history. You don't erase it. You learn right. from it. And we're erasing yeah, totally. it like it never happened. No, you learn from it, and and yeah, it's it's very frustrating. And... Yeah. So I mean, uh, there's obviously a uh, 
a reaction that's happening within the brain that's affecting the behavioral system with all the electronics and that's just apparent so and like the oh, yeah. algorithm, we're victims of our environment right like you're at, like a victim of the algorithm you know <laughs> uh absolutely and some people may not be in that algorithm and those are the people that they're scared of yeah and that's the ones they need to be scared of because we're not going to be uh you know, i kind of in a way consider myself uh if i was to identify as anything i would identify as a sort of modern day barbarian i don't need all this uh bullshit to uh be a good person and um i i have a i i, I have a spare i consider myself to have a pretty strong moral center and and you know, I don't, I don't need all this indoctrination and stuff to tell me how to be, right? You know, right? And that's uh, actually there's going to be a song coming up on the new album that's going to be talking a little bit more in depth about that. Nice. And uh, yeah, it's I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm real happy to to share that one. That's going to be a ripper. And, yeah, it's like it's like the snarky people are telling the people who've always been cool with everybody how to behave. Yeah. <laughs> that was what was cool about metal we never gave a fuck yeah man you know um, the metal guys and you know there's a lot of stuff on tick your tiktoks and your dick docs and all that stuff about gen x and all this that and the other thing and you know what they're right in some ways we didn't give a shit and we and you know, yes, we did bury our feelings a little bit and stuff like that. But we were the generation that started, you know, well, no, we were one of the ones. We were one of the gen early, uh, later generations that had a little bit more tolerance for individuality. Yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, um, and yeah, of course, it started in the '60s and the '70s and stuff, um, free speech movement, what have you. But yeah, you know, we we're kind of a product of that, um, and it's a good thing. And I. I you know, I, I think I think we're a lot of good people out there, and you know we don't we don't judge, we don't care, right? Do your, right. Do your thing, and yeah. just you know, just don't try to force your shit down my throat, and I'm fine. Yeah. You know, right. I'm not going to try and force mine down yours, and everybody can just do their thing and be individuals, and it's like just tell me your name and shake my hand. Yeah. It's been yeah. for 60 I don't need to know years. anything else about you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Well, so Dallas, what's next, man? You you say you working on a new record, uh tours coming up. Some tour dates going on. Yep, we got uh we got uh quite a few coming up. We got Texas coming up later this month and then in August we've got uh sort of some West coast stuff and then Canada and also some shows with a band called massacre. They're like old school death metal from hell. Nice. So we're excited about uh, playing some shows with them. Uh, some of the other shows that we're doing, we'll be playing it, Yeah. Check it out, man. Yeah. Uh, you'll be in uh, Fort Worth, Texas. On, uh, check it June out. 24th. You'll be in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, June 25th, July 30th, San Francisco, California. Absolutely. Really? Awesome. That's awesome. I never keep track of this shit. So. <laughs> uh, you'll be in, a, you'll be in uh, Portland, Oregon on July 31st, August 1. You'll be in uh, Seattle, Washington. You'll be uh, Loud as Hell Open Air Festival August 5th. 
Uh, Z Murder Fest 2023, Saturday, August 12th. Nice, man. Yeah, yeah, we're we're uh, we're firing back up, and you know uh, this this album has pretty much been ready, but you know between you know stuff with pandemic, and, you know just stuff going on in my life, you know, good or bad, mostly good, but you know how you know how things are. Oh, things yeah. just take longer than anticipated a lot of times. You know what I mean? And yeah, uh, you know, you just try to chip away at it as best you can when you have the time. And yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the you know, the singles that we've released so far, we're going to release one more. It's actually uh, about true crime. Uh, not going to give any more details about the song other than that. And, uh, and then, you know, sometime this year, I know I've been kind of promising this album for a while now, and it's been pretty much ready other than just mixing and doing the final tweaks on it. But yeah, it's, it's coming. We don't have a, 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 a distinct date on it yet, but, it will be out this year. I guarantee it. <laughs> Finally, because I'm already starting to write uh, material for the next album. So nice. it's, uh, it's, I'll be so happy to have it uh, out finally. And I, cool. I think uh, if, if you're fans of what we do or if you're fans of metal, any, any facet of metal, there's going to be something on here that you might like. Awesome. Right on. Cool. Well, dude, well, thanks for coming on, man. You have to come Absolutely. back. Whenever, if you would just want to come in and hang out, shoot the shit, you got something to promote? Got the record coming out. We could do something with that. Hell yeah, man. That sounds good. Yeah. Right on. So uh, good luck on your Before you go, before you go, happy birthday on Tuesday. Hey, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Happy birthday, sir. And then, Fred, Fred, you got one like two days after that, right? Two days after you. uh, Fellow yeah. Gemini, so yeah. There you yep. go. Welcome You'll... to Planet Gemini. Your luggage will be destroyed. <laughs> right on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we just celebrated our 200th episode, so there's the trifecta. So, uh, right on. Nice. Absolutely. I actually like that beer very much. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Uh, trifecta. trifecta. They actually, they, there's a place called Shuck and Shack in, uh, the, in uh, Greenville that I got killer seafood there and stuff like that kind of bar food kind of place Pelham and they Road? have trifecta on tap or they used to have trifecta on tap is, one is, that, a, is that on pelham dallas pelham road yeah. they have one in pelham and one in uh sleazily oh, okay <laughs> right on right <laughs> you said that out loud great town i know <laughs> I, just, I know right and remember guys if you're feeling down uh, there's always someone there to talk to you. Even if you think there isn't, uh, call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or dial 988 at the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline. We know sometimes that phone is the heaviest lift, but uh, we promise you if you make that effort, there'll be someone there to help you. And uh, it's important to talk to someone. So yeah. on that note, Absolutely. thank you, Dallas, very much for coming on, sir. Thank we you, appreciate Dallas. it. Thanks Fred. very much for having me. You're welcome. Fred, have a good one, man. Jason, love you, brother. Yes, love you. Take care, guys. guys. And, uh, have a good one, guys. We'll see you next time. Ah, creativity talking, if I can find the video. There you go. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you.